Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is WEEI Late Night with Brian Barrett on WEEI. All right, the Red Sox are on the table all night if you want to weigh in on the Trevor Story move. And is there anything else you'd like Heim Bloom to do? That's on the table all night at 617-779-7937. I'm going to get into the Celtics in just a second here, but I have to do this first. I have to give Major League Baseball credit because they got something right. First of all, they put the ghost runner back in for extra innings, so we are going to have the runner on second base. Huge win. I love that. But here's the more important thing. One of the new tweaks they made, it's called the Shohei Otani rule. Have you seen this, Justin? No, I haven't. This is absolutely fabulous, okay? Was this from today? Yeah. Under the new rule, if a team has its starting pitcher in its lineup as the DH and pulls him during the game, the player can remain in the batting order even if he leaves the mound. So say Otani pitches six innings, he could still hit for the final three innings plus. Well, that makes sense with the... University age, yes, yes. That that's sense. why they put yes. it in there. But I, like I love that. it. So Good that way, Otani on the mound, he can stay in there the remainder of the game as the DH as well. Because who the hell wants to go to a game and Otani, who was the MVP last year, was hitting home runs left and right? Who the hell wants to go to a game and with now the universal DH, there is no reason that Otani should have to come out of the game. So I love this rule for Major League Baseball. This is awesome. This is them actually getting something right. And when they do get something right, we need to give them credit for that. Otani should stay in the lot. Nobody wants to go to a baseball game and after Otani pitches, not see him hit again. <laughs> he's, he's a way better hitter than he is a pitcher at this particular point in time. Not to say that he's not a good hitter, okay? He's a very good hitter. I mean, not to say he's not a good pitcher. He's a good pitcher. But he's not an elite pitcher. He's an elite hitter. We want him in there. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Adam. He is in Boston tonight. Adam. How we doing tonight, guys? Doing well, doing well. That's good. That's great. No, I like, I love the Trevor Story signing, obviously. You know, the Red Sox definitely have from one through six, you know, hitters. You know what I mean? But the problem is, if you look, they haven't really done anything with the rotation or even the bullpen. Due to Chris Seals' injury, I mean, the guy hasn't been the same clearly, but they still think he's going to be the same from what he wasn't going to be from the World Series when we beat the Dodgers. But you clearly need starting pitchers behind Evaldi. It just seems like they're relying on him too much. I totally agree with you on that, Adam. But I just look at it now where the market's at. 
I don't see them making a move. Maybe they make one closer to the trading deadline, but I think their move is, okay, let's put Hulk in the rotation, and we'll go from there. It looks like the rotation is going to go Avaldi, Pavetta, Hulk, Rich Hill, and Waka. And what about Rodriguez? He's in Detroit. That's what I mean. See, you lost one of your best starting pitchers from last season. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's fair, Adam. I appreciate the phone call. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. If you listen to Red Sox Review last year, I think I defended Erod more than anybody, but I think it just got the contract as a little rich for the Sox, and they were worried about when he was going to have that breakout season. Now, he was great in that game against the Astros after having the bad start against the Rays. But, yeah, you're definitely needing to replace the guy that was second amongst your starting pitchers in terms of war last season. He was a reliable starter. Erod, Erod was very reliable for this team in terms of going out there every fifth day. And I know that he drove people crazy with some of the inconsistencies and whatnot, but that's definitely you got to replace those innings. And I just look at it now in terms of where they're at in terms of the offseason. I don't see them trading for a starter. At, maybe at the deadline they go out and they try to get one. But the big thing is they're going to need internal improvement from a guy like Hulk. They're going to need Hulk to go deeper into games if they're going to keep him in the rotation. I feel like his better role long-term is as a reliever. I feel like he could be more like the Andrew Miller, I guess it's from the other side, but the Josh Hader type that gives you multiple innings. But I just look at it right now. I don't feel like the Red Sox want to use him in that capacity. And maybe part of it is they feel pressure into putting him into the rotation because of the sale thing. I really feel like the best role for a Tanner Houck is pitching two to three times a week and giving you an inning and a third, giving you two and a third, and just letting him go out there and get six outs, get me seven outs. This thing, like, he hasn't shown the ability to go through the line of the third time through. And I get it. He's a young pitcher and all that. Like, I totally understand where you're coming from. If you think, oh, well, it's only one year. Let's see what he does next year. I just like having that weapon out of the bullpen that I can deploy for multiple innings. And I felt like Tanner Houck last year at the end of the season, when they took him out of the rotation and when they put him into the bullpen, it was almost like some pressure was lifted off him. And it felt like he just let loose. We saw the slider usage go up way up from where it was in terms of as a starter because he wasn't worried about seeing a batter for the third time through. He wasn't worried about that. He didn't have to mix up his pitches as much. So he was just going with his fastball and mainly his slider. He's barely throwing his splitter. And I just feel like as a starter, he's going to go back to that guy where he may look really good for two to three innings and then all of a sudden, the fourth inning comes around. That's what worries me about Hulk. And I just feel like his perfect role in this team is pitching multiple times during the week because he's only going to be seeing the order the first time through. And that's where he was at his best last season. Let's get to Doug. He's in a car. What's up, Doug? Hey, Brian. Uh, just want to get your opinion on on some stuff. Uh, you know, the metrics on bogey as a shortstop are terrible uh, as far as, you know, uh, overall defensive play. Yep. And uh, I would hate I would hate to see the team lose him. Uh, I'd love to see them move him to third base. And uh, the question is then with Devers. Now, the other day, Lou thought I was nuts because uh, he's, he thinks that uh, Devers should go to first base. And I'm I just don't see it. I think Devers should be should go to the DH hole, and first base should be Casas and Dabek, uh, whichever one emerges that wants to take the job full time. But uh, you know the thing is, 
is that I'd hate to see them lose bogey, uh, but I, I, I'm at the point where if Story can move over to shortstop and bogey's willing to play third base, and then uh, D.H. Devers, I'd be very happy with that. What's your opinion of that? You're talking about in 23. Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind Devers being a long-term D.H., but I just don't see him making that move next season, Doug, and the reason I say that is because next year will be his final year under arbitration, so he's not going to want to go into free agency as a D.H. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay. Because there's more money out there. Yep. And look, he you may be right. Like, he may have to <laughs> – I mean, Doug, we've seen him play in the field. He made the second-most errors in baseball last year, and he's not a shortstop, right? So, I mean, he's probably yeah. going to have to move positions eventually, and maybe it is – maybe his long-term position is the designated hitter. I just don't see him doing it for another two years. Right. I mean, you know, Lou is talking about how he's got great hands. It's just a matter of improving his footwork laterally but the thing is you know he's played enough third base now that he should be should be getting it and and the, the thing is he just doesn't make the routine play consistently enough yeah. you know it, and, it's uh, irritating isn't it it's like it's it one of these really things is, where it's yeah. like it's not like Bogarts we know he has limitations defensively right he's not rangy it, that's not Devers issue it's like he gets lazy with his throws I mean and then yeah, he'll make yeah. this play Doug where he makes an incredible diving play and you're like well, uh, why can't he make the play when it's right at him? It's very frustrating. Well, it's a concentration issue, yep. I think. I agree uh, with in you. Terms of his, in terms of his youth. But, uh, and the other thing was that, Lou, I was surprised that Lou was talking about how we, we don't know what Casas is going to do, and, and everybody gets so excited about these rookies and stuff like that. I mean, everything you read about Casas says he can't miss. You know? Yeah, I would say, Doug, that the two guys, uh, Marcelo Mayer and Casas, are untouchable right now. I could not see the organization moving either one of those guys. And I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't do it. But I can't see the organization moving on from either one of those guys. And me, and meanwhile, Bobby Dalbeck is not going down without a fight. I mean, this guy, if he, if he comes out and starts the year like he finished it last year... How do they get rid of him unless unless they want to trade him and really get a stud pitcher for him? Well, I mean, that could be your surplus, Doug, right? Because if Casas comes up and he performs and you have a guy like Dahlbeck, Dahlbeck could be away if he continues to progress like we saw at the end of last year to your point where really down the stretch of the season, it was him and Renfro. I mean, Dahlbeck tore it up down the stretch of the season where at some points he was it felt like he was carrying the offense for about a three-week period there. And then, of course, he had the impact of Renfro, and then eventually, like, I feel like what happened to Dahlbeck at the end of the season is he stopped playing every day, right? Because he had the whole situation with Schwarber, so I felt like that's what happened more so than anything with Dahlbeck down the stretch. But let's say the hypothetical is he comes in, he has a good season, but you feel like Casas is the better player long-term. Well, he may be a way to get a starter. You know what I mean? Like, in the future. You look at Dahlbeck, by the way. Start of August, so the end of the season, 288, 369, 14 bombs, 1053 OPS. I mean, the yeah. guy was really good down the stretch of the season, and he's going to get a long look at it this year, Doug. Whether it's with the Red Sox a, long-term and, or if it's somewhere else, he's going to get an opportunity. And he's a better defensive player, I, I think, even at third base than Devers is. Yeah, I don't know that because I know he came up as a third baseman, and maybe uh, maybe your assumption is just like <laughs> Devers has been bad, so Dahlback's got to be better. I don't know. I've I haven't seen him play third base. I got to be honest with you. I didn't see him play at the minor league level at third base. So I can't answer that. Yeah. But uh, well, anyway, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Enjoy the show.
Good stuff, Doug. I appreciate it. This line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. The interesting thing I found about Dahlback is, and look, I, I'm sure things change now because they signed Trevor Story. But remember a couple of days ago, this is as early as right before the Trevor Story signing. So that was Saturday. Rob and I talked about this, Bradfoe and I, that they were using Dahlback at second, and they were getting him work out, not using him in game, in spring training games, but they were having him work out at second and in the outfield, right? Which makes me think they want to make sure that they keep Dahlbeck. They get him at plenty of at-bats. The one thing that scares you about Dahlbeck is this. 34.4% strikeout rate last season. Only Joey Gallo struck out more. And he hit just 212 against righties. Now, he did have 14 home runs against righties, but he hit just 212. But I'm all about giving, why not give Dahlbeck an opportunity this year? See what he can do. And... If he turns out to be really good and you still want to play Cassis next season or at some point this year, well, then Dahlbeck becomes a trade chip. He's a, what is he, 25 years old? He's a power hitter. I mean, it's not like he's not an intriguing player for a different team. Let's get to Jason. He's in Maine. What's up, Jason? How's it going, Brian? Good, man. Not too much. Hey, I want to see. We got, we're, I hear we're paying David Price $30 million this year. I want to see how much, what that could do uh, freeing up the books for next year. Who else we might be paying? Uh, the reason why we're so close to the salary cap, I'm trying to figure this out. Why we can't? Yeah, but Jason, I, I don't. I honestly don't think it's that big. Well, I, the pitching. Okay, so the pitching thing, I don't think it's that big of a deal. They're already over the CBT, so they still have mm-hmm. like thirty million dollars or so to work with to get until they get to that next threshold, if you will. I don't think it's an issue in terms of money right now. In terms of adding another starter, I don't think Hyam Bloom wants to give up prospects to go get one because, like, the two guys available yeah. right now. Manaya and Frankie Montas out in Oakland, those guys would mm-hmm. require a trade. They're not free agents. So I don't think that they want to, after what they've done to rebuild the farm system, I don't think they are in a position now where they want to give up prospects. I think they were okay with paying Story the money. I just fear right now, and I don't fear it. I, I just think that this is where they're at. They don't want to give up guys in the farm system. They want to continue to build that. You think, you think that maybe because they're getting ready? Right- like I think we're ha- I had a schedule right now, but I think in like a year or two, the price money comes off, other people's money comes off. You figure out what's going on with Bogarts, with Devers, and with Story. Yeah, but Jason, boom, I don't. I, go, I honestly, yeah, I don't really think it's a money thing. I really mm-hmm. don't. I think if there was a guy out there, like let's say that there was a starting pitcher that was mm-hmm. on the market that was better than Story, I think they would have gone after him. I think it has yeah. more to do about. You get story for, what, a compensatory draft pick, whatever the hell it is, nothing, right? You're just signing the player. But if you're going after Frankie Montas, you may have to give up a guy in the top ten in your system, and I don't think the Red Sox want to do that right now based on the fact that, yeah, they've made a lot of improvements in their farm system. They're gearing up for like a year or two. Like like I said, I know you think money's not a thing, but say prices money goes away. Now you have all this and extra money, you know, like we're not even close to the salary cap then or whatever the threshold, whatever. Yeah, but then think, you can trade yeah. away the prospects once you sign people and stuff where you have all this extra money. Yeah, Jason, I think you're on to it. I think the thing is this, and I appreciate the call. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. Remember, the formula here, despite the fact that the narrative that people are pushing out there, it was never Tampa North. What the Red Sox want to be is the Dodgers. So look at Andrew Friedman, the guy that – Hein Bloom is trying to model the Red Sox after what he did with the Dodgers. He gets there in 14. He really doesn't make a big trade until 18. That's four years. And when he makes that big trade, 
it's for Manny Machado, and he has to do that because Seager goes down. So he was almost forced to do that. Then they start to get into the trading situation when they go after Mookie before the 20 season. They give up Verdugo, et cetera, Jeter Downs and Wong. And then last year, they give up their top two prospects for Scherzer because they felt like, okay, we already have a young catcher that's already here. We got enough starting pitching because they gave up their Kiebert Ruiz, who was one of the best prospects in baseball, their number one catching prospect. And they gave up Josiah Gray, their number one pitching prospect. They felt they had enough depth there, so they could do that. The Red Sox aren't there as an organization. So I don't feel like them not adding a starting pitcher right now has anything to do with money. It has everything to do with the prospects. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. If you do want to weigh in on the Red Sox, what do you make of their offseason so far? Did you like the story edition? Is there anything else you'd like to see Bloom do? That's on the table at 617-779-7937. Plus, I will get into... The one big change with the Celtics that has nothing to do with Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, or Ime Adoka. We'll get to that in just a little bit here on EI. Marloni and Fourier. Weekdays, 2 to 6. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Trending now brought to you by 495 Chrysler Jeep Dodge. During Jeep Celebration event at 495 Jeep and Lowell, custom order your new Jeep. Get it fast in the color and option you want and don't pay for the features you don't want. 495jeep.com. Busy day for the Red Sox. Arbitration day in Major League Baseball. They came to an agreement with five players to avoid arbitration. Rafael Devers, $11.2 million this season. Verdugo, $3.55 million. Nick Pavetta, $2.65 million. Arroyo, one year, $1.2 million. Taylor will get just over $1 million. Speaking of Taylor, unlikely to be ready for the start of the season due to a lingering back issue. By the way, just a quick aside on Pavetta. What an outstanding deal that was for Bloom. We'll see if Connor Siebold ends up being anything. But you gave up Brandon Workman, who sucked. Keith Embry, who sucks. And you got Nick Pavetta, who was really good for the Red Sox in the postseason last year. And he projects as your number two starter next year. Unbelievable move. The Sox remain undefeated in spring training games. They beat the Rays 4-2 this afternoon. Rich Hill tossed two scoreless innings. Bobby Dahlback with a two-run double. The Sox get the Twins tomorrow. 105 first pitch on AM850. I hope we get a little more excitement from Will Fleming tomorrow on the final call. This team is 6-0. and I didn't feel it from Will there. The Seas continue to roll. They've won four straight after topping the Thunder. 132-123 on Monday. The Green will host the Jazz on Wednesday. The Bees are coming off a 3-2 overtime win over the Canadians Monday night. They'll host the Lightning Thursday. Campus Lindholm will make his debut on that one. The Pats, of course, signed Trent Brown to that extension. Some details on that. Tom Pelissero reporting the deal's worth up to 22 mil, which includes a base value of $13 million and $4 million in guaranteed money. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. W-E-E-I Late Night. On W-E-E-I. W-E-E-I. Save us as a favorite on the Odyssey app. And take Boston Sports Original everywhere you go. Na 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 na. Hey hey hey. Goodbye. Na 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 na. Hey hey hey. Goodbye. All right, welcome back in Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. That's the voice of David in Florida. That means it's baseball season. I did want to mention this real quickly though. Everybody gets caught up in this whole Jackie Bradley Jr. situation that he's back. People are pissed that he may be the everyday right fielder. I don't see that being the case in terms of I don't think he's going to play every day. They're working other guys out in the outfield. We'll see if Arroyo can play out there because now he's got to become a utility guy with Trevor Story coming in. But just don't get caught up in the fact that it was Renfro for Jackie Bradley Jr. The reason the Red Sox made that trade was for the prospect from the Brewers. They were trading for Alex Benellis who is a 21-year-old out of Louisville, 6'3", 225. Okay, he's a big kid. He's a corner infielder. That's what the trade was for. They didn't believe Renfro, and by the way, eventually after this year, Renfro is going to have to get paid. They didn't believe Renfro was a long-term fit with the organization. His defense was completely overrated. Yeah, he could throw guys out, but he was not rangy whatsoever. And he made a ton of errors, the most outfield errors last year in Major League Baseball. So he was not a dependable player out there as a fielder. And remember how bad he was in the postseason? Oh, my God, did he suck. He was atrocious, right? So just don't look at that as Jackie for Renfro. It was Renfro for the prospect, and Jackie came back in return. So don't get caught up in this whole Jackie Bradley Jr. for Renfro thing. That's not what happened. And it feels like people are putting that out there as a false narrative. It's not true. The main piece of the deal is Alex Pinellas. 617-779-7937 is a number. You heard him earlier. It's the legend. He's ready to go. David in Florida. David, what's up, man? Hi, Brian. <clears throat> hey, what's David? You, what's you going doing? on over there? So, I mean, I, I've got some tough shoes to fill. I mean, I mean, I appreciate that, but I mean, it just makes me kind of nervous now when I speak to you. I mean, I just have to live up to the to my reputation. Yeah. Now. Well, hey, it's, David, but, um, we got to get you ready, man. We're in spring training right now. Red Sox review is right around the corner. We got to get you in midseason form. You can't be like Will Fleming. <laughs> Who gave me no energy when the Red Sox went six and zero today? I need a better final call than that from Will. Flumball. That's right. I can't wait to hear Flumball's voice. But did you just say a couple of minutes ago, about ten minutes ago, that they did bring back? I guess during the negotiations, they did uh, bring back the the ghost runner in extra innings. Yeah, they're going to do that again. You don't like it? Nope. It's just stupid, stupid Sega Genesis baseball. But whatever. I don't like it. But um, big Sega guy, David. So I mean, not nope, 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 nope. You know that's not reality. It's not Sega Genesis. This is real baseball. We don't play games with a joystick. Now, I um, think that had a joystick, Sega. I don't know whatever it had. But now, um, so now that we have story, uh, which is a great addition. I mean, we 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 can move Bogey over to third, and then we. And then you were talking about that pitcher from from Oakland earlier. So now we maybe we can we combine Devers and some prospects and we get the pitcher. Oh you know, and God, if you David. if you improve, you're hmm? not trading Devers. Are we going to get off this, David? We're not going to be doing this for no. months. They're not trading Devers. No, no, you know, I mean, 
But then, but hold on, David. Are you, hold on. I don't want to bury the lead. You actually like something the Red Sox did. You like Story. He seems like he's going to be a very, very, very good player. Yeah, he's a good yeah, defensive player. I mean, You're going to love him. Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't too familiar with him, like you said, because he was in the National League. But from what I read about him, yeah, he seems like a very, very good player, a well-rounded 5-2 player. How about that? Well, yeah, he's he's going to be the know. he's going to be he's already the best base runner on the Red Sox. He twenty stolen bases last year, David. Twenty seven a couple of years ago in the shortened season, he led the National League. So you're going to love this guy, man. This is your type yeah. of player. Now I just hope that Cora um, uses him uh, intelligently and lets him run, and they do some hit and running, hitting and running, or hit and running, or how do you say? I don't know. You got it. That they do some hit and run. Yeah. Why wouldn't he? Corey uses the hit and run. Why wouldn't he? He didn't. No, he didn't. He doesn't. He does. How many many stolen bases? Well, he doesn't have anybody that runs well. You know who led the Red Sox in stolen bases last year, David? Uh, Do you know? I'll give you two guesses. Yeah, the the Chris Dom, the catcher. Oh, he Um, nailed it. You got it. Yeah, Vasquez. Vasquez, yeah. That just shows how infrequently... Um, Cora would, well, I mean, would, let's be would, fair, David. They, they they don't have a lot of team speed. Now you have that with Story. There's not who would you want to run on this team? There's not a lot of guys that you want JD to run. You want Devers to run. You want Bogart. They don't have team well, speed. Uh, Bo, Bo, Bogey is Bogey has above average speed. Ugh, not um, really. Yes, she does. Uh, now, also though. Um, so what, what's up with Jeter Downs, the guy that got from Mookie a few years ago, too? What's what's up with him? Uh, David, it's not great. I mean, his numbers were not good at the minor league level last year. And, David, appreciate the call, as always. Look forward to hearing from you more as the baseball season gets closer. When the players play well, they win. Okay. When they play poorly, they lose. That was one of David's great takes from last year. But, yeah, to answer his question about Jeter Downs, it always scares me when, first of all, I'll give you his numbers from last year. So, at AAA last year, he hit 191 with a 272 on base percentage. I'm not kidding. Those were his numbers last year. But the big thing that when you see prospects that have been traded multiple times, it's usually not a good sign. And remember, he was originally with the Reds organization, traded to the Dodgers, now with the Red Sox, hasn't really shown anything at the minor league level. So I don't really have much hope for Jeter Downs. Now he's, what, 23 years old? I, I don't have a lot of hopes for him. Let's get to Mark. He's in New Hampshire. What's up, Mark? Hi, Brian. Uh, I'll tell you, Paulie in the truck and David in the car was radio gold. Good job by you and your producer for that. I, I really <laughs> love that take. That was that was amazing when that happened. Uh, I truly enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but, yeah, sure. But with that as a backdrop, um, you, you know, like the thing with Trevor Story, I mean, he's sort of feast or famine. I mean, you know, he hits home runs and he can steal some bases, but he's also batting, you know, you know, 239 some years. And, you know, he, he led the league in strikeouts a, a couple of years ago with 191. So I'm not going to say he's Mark Bellhorn, but he's not really far from it. I mean, you know, he, he swings hard and misses a lot. So, you know, he'll put up some numbers, but, you know, if anyone's looking for this guy to be in the, you know, middle of the order, you know, number five, number six batter kind of person who's going to bat, you know, 313, it's, simply not happening so you know i'm not overwhelmed by the deal you know i don't blame you know high bloom for doing it i just don't think this guy is gonna really 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 like you know persevere in boston like so much that's what i got 
All right, Mark. Yeah, there's a lot of, and I appreciate the call. There's a lot of swing and miss to them. Strikeout is strikeout rate was over 23% last year. So there is some truth to that in terms of there's a lot of feast and famine. I just look at the total package. He's a good defensive player. He can hit for power. He mashes left-handed pitchers. And I feel like now he goes into a lineup with a lot of protection. Not to say that he needs protection, but think about the guy. Think about what this order could look like. You're probably looking at Kike Hernandez leading off. And then you got to th- figure out, are you hitting Devers in the two-hole? That's a possibility. And then you could have Bogarts in that three-hole. So you got a lot of creativity you can do in terms of the lineup. I mean, you just look up and down in terms of how many good hitters are now in this lineup when you add a guy like Stewart who has that at least thump. You got Kike, you got Bogarts, you got Devers, JD, Dahlback, Verdugo. And I guess Jackie Bradley Jr. is your starting right fielder to begin the season. But they're trying to cross-train Arroyo. We'll see if Arroyo can play out there. Although, remember the last time Arroyo switched positions? It did not go particularly well. Remember that whole situation? Did not go well for his first game at first base. He ends up doing the stretch. But I like the story thing. It's cheap money. And I know that sounds uncouth to talk about a guy that got $140 million. But in terms of... What we saw in free agency, $23.3 million per season. Not a bad contract whatsoever. It gives you security if Bogarts is going to leave. You know he can play the position defensively. And if I get a middle infielder that's giving me 25 to 30 bombs a season in a lineup that already features a lot of thump, I'm more than okay with it. I love the move. And I also like that it destroys the narrative. Because that was something that irritated the hell out of me. Oh, it's Tampa North. No, it's not. Okay, who was the big free agent in the past that they missed out on that you thought they were going to get? They waited 2020, complete bridge year, and actually worked out well for the Red Sox. Think about that. J.D. doesn't opt out of his contract. He was great last year because, remember, 2020, like, it was bad for a lot of people. It wasn't bad for the Red Sox because then they are so bad they get the fourth pick. They get Marcelo Mayer, who was the best prospect entering last year's draft, but Some of the teams in front of you, with the exception of the Rangers, like the Pirates, they're cheap. The Rangers wanted a pitching prospect. They take lighter. So Marcelo Mayer is sitting there for you at number four. So you got that. You got J.D. Martinez to opt into his contract or not opt out because he had a bad season in 2020 that was only like 58 games. And you got Alex Cora to come back. Not to mention because you suck so bad. You got rid of Embry and Workman, who were not good anyway. And what did you get back for them? Pavetta, and we'll see what Seaball does. He was not good in his start last year, but Pavetta was really good for you last year. So you got all that because you sucked in 2020. So it actually worked out. And by the way, like, I don't even count the Dodgers championship in 2020 as real. All the other sports, I'm fine with it. I get it. No crowd, like the bubble situation in the NHL and the NBA. Not a lot of crowds in terms of the NFL. Like Brady goes on the road, not big crowds, right? I mean, You're going into Lambo with like 7,000 people. You're going into the Mercedes-Benz Superdome with 3,000 people. So I get it. Like, yeah, it's a little bit easier to play on the road, but I don't consider that fraudulent. I don't consider the NBA fraudulent or the NHL fraudulent. I do consider baseball fraudulent. You can't have a 60-game season of baseball. That's not a good way to judge a champion in that sport because you have to make it through 162 games. Like, think about one of the guys who was healthy for the Dodgers in that run, Clayton Kershaw. Where was Clayton Kershaw last year? Oh, yeah, he's hurt because he's always hurt. So it really didn't give you the most accurate assessment of a world champion. Now, maybe the Dodgers win in a full season, but I have my doubts because that team doesn't stay healthy. So that was my one thing where I just look at that as a fraudulent. And it worked out for the Red Sox long term in terms of what they did in 2020, kind of resetting the books and getting all these 
Nice, I would say, shrewd moves by Bloom. I mean, can you imagine they got a starting pitcher and a guy that was featured for you in the postseason in Pavetta for Workman and Embry? And he wasn't even the main piece. The main piece was supposed to be Seabolt, and we'll see if he works out, but Pavetta's been really good for this team. And I think he's going to have a good season next year because he never really pitched that many innings in Major League. Like, like three years ago he did, but he didn't have the endurance. I think this is going to be a really good year for Pavetta. Did you see him the other day in spring training? I know a lot of you didn't. The dude's out there pitching like it's game one of the ALCS. I mean, the guy was completely intense out there. And Evaldi, you hear what Evaldi said when, I forget, it was it Jemai Webster said this. It could have just been on Twitter. But Evaldi asked Cora for the scouting report. He was looking for the scouting report of, I believe they were playing, what was it? That was Friday. So they, they were playing the Rays on Friday, right? Yeah, they were playing the Rays. And he was asking Cora for the scouting report on the hitters. And Cora's like, um... Nate, this is spring training, okay? We we don't have a write-up on all these guys right now. But I do like that, the intensity of the two guys now at the top out of your rotation when you're talking about Avaldi, who is an established number one starter in Major League Baseball, and now a guy like Pavetta, who I really feel like is going to have a good year. The two guys that last year, I felt like they really showed you something at the end, was Pavetta in the postseason, Verdugo in the postseason, and Verdugo down the stretch. You look at the numbers for Verdugo, and remember, he was battling an injury for the large portion of that season. You look at Verdugo down the stretch, he hit 328. He had a 378 on base percentage from August through the end of the season, and he hit 306 against lefties. That was the big issue with Verdugo early on in the season. He could not hit left-handed pitching, and down the stretch last year, he was much better. So the two guys that I would project one pitcher and one position player, they're going to have, I don't want to say breakout seasons, because I Pavetta, I believe Pavetta is a middle-of-the-rotation guy because he's got a really good fastball and he's got a really good curveball. I don't think he projects to be a number one or a number two starter, but he can definitely be a number three starter. He can be in that rover role in the postseason, and I do believe Verdugo is going to have a really good season. I really do. We saw a lot of it last year. The guy's got the highest contact rate on the Red Sox. Of course, that means he's got the lowest strikeout rate as well. That's a big thing with this team where you do have a lot of guys in this lineup that are swinging miss. Verdugo is a big-time contact guy. Okay, I do want to get to the Celtics. If you want to wait on the Red Sox, you can. It's 617-779-7937. But I thought this is interesting. So, last night, Eddie House, who is really good on TV, by the way. Like, they got to use Eddie House more. I, I have not seen him until, like, real recently. Like, since the Pierce thing, right? Is that when he started, Justin? Yeah, I, that's when I, I started seeing him. Yeah, I, I love seen him, him before. Yeah, he's good, man. He's got a lot of opinions. So last night he was asked, like, what changed with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum? Well, that was never the problem. I'm going to tell you what the problem was. It was Schroeder uh, to me. You know, it, it was Schroeder was in the way, and he was the guy. <laughs> oh, don't punch it. Hey, hey this is a real E-house right here. Yeah, he yeah. was that guy. Hey, he was in the way. He was in the way of them two dudes. You know, he was a guy that was trying to get shots. He was trying to score, and you don't need to do that if you're going to be a point guard that got guys that can get the ball in the, and can put the ball in the hole the way that Jason Taylor and Jalen Brown can. You need to get out the way and set those guys up and, and get the shots when you can. And I think once he got out the way and you know, they were able to settle down and say, okay, this is how we really are supposed to play. Guys were in their spots, and, and the floor opened up for both of them. All right, so I completely agree with Eddie House for a couple of reasons. The first thing is this, in terms of you got Schroeder out of there, but you also brought in Derek White. And Derek White is an elite defensive player, can cover multiple positions, 
Schroeder was a small diminutive point guard that was not a good defender. He could be like a pest at times. He is not a good defender, not nearly the defender that Derek White is. The other thing that Eddie House brings up is that Schroeder was out there and he dominated the ball. To paraphrase what he's saying, that he dominated the ball too much. He had the ball in his hands too much, right? And look, I understand where Schroeder was coming from. He passed on that big deal from the Lakers. He was trying to establish his value on the market, but that was the issue. Right, so he dominated the basketball too much. And the thing about Derek White is this: I know he hasn't shot the ball well. He's shooting what twenty-one percent from three last night. He hit one last night, and I was shocked. Holy crap, he hit a three! But uh, he does other things, right? He moves the ball, really good defender. And he makes quick decisions, and he's got a nice little floater game there. His floater is really good. But this is the big thing: so Schroeder was ball dominant. Schroeder average seconds per touch four point nine zero. Derek White three point seven six. So you're talking about a total. Totally different player. Derek White's making quick decisions. Schroeder isn't. How about dribbles per touch? 4.15 for Schroeder, 3.10 for White. So White is getting rid of the ball quicker. And here's the big thing. So his net rating, Derek White, or I should say this, his on-off metric. So the difference between when he's off the court and when he's on the court, he's a plus 4.7. So Derek White is adding to the team. You know what the on-off differential was for Dennis Schroeder? Minus 8.5. He was a damaging player. <laughs> how, about, how about the the offense was horrible with this guy off the court, man. You look at it. The Celtics had a 109.8 offensive rating with him on the court. They had a 116 with him off it. Defense, they had a 108.1 with him on, 106.4 with him off. Derek White, how about these numbers? The Celtics, despite the fact that he's not shooting well, he moves the ball. He makes quick decisions. 118.5 offensive rating with him on, 113.2 with him off. So Derek White just fits better. It's not that he does great things. He just makes all the right plays, unlike Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder's looking for his own shot. Dennis Schroeder's looking out there for himself, and he sucks on defense. White is playing great defense, and he's moving the ball quickly. He understands what his role is. He's a connector. He's connecting Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. He's somebody that is not going to hijack the offense like Dennis Schroeder did. That's what Schroeder did. Schroeder thought it was his offense as much as Tatum and Brown. Derek White understands his role. So just the subtraction of Schroeder and then the addition of White, that's how Brad Stevens really nailed this trading deadline. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. If you want to weigh in on the Sox, the addition of Trevor Story, does Bloom need to do anything else? That's on the table at 617-779-7937. 793.7 plus. I want to get to this. I believe that a certain Celtic should be mentioned for a certain award. We'll get into that next here on EEI. WEEI Late Night on WEEI. Boston Sports Original. All right, Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. If you do want to weigh in on High and Bloom of the Red Sox, the moves they made in the offseason, adding Trevor Story, is there anything else you'd like to see them do? That's on the table at 617-779-7937. But I just want to touch on this real quickly. And I'm not the biggest guy, like, into individual awards and all this. But if you look at Jason Tatum, he matches up with the MVP candidates really well. So if you look at all the all-in-one metrics, the advanced stats in the NBA, 538 has basically their war. It's called Raptor War, basically like the same thing as baseball, wins above replacement. So I would say that the three big candidates for the MVP right now are Jokic, Giannis, and Embiid. Okay, so how's Tatum compared to those guys? Well, in 
Raptor war, Jokic is first at 19. He's way ahead of everybody else. Tatum is second in the NBA at 11.9. Giannis is third at 10.5. And Embiid is fourth at 10.4. So he's second out of those MVP candidates. On-off per 100 possessions. So the on-off differential. Tatum is at 14.1. That's better than Jokic. That's better than Embiid. That's better than Giannis. So these are impact metrics. Total on-off on the season. Tatum is 653. That's first in the NBA. Curry's second at 550 or 541. So he's more than 100 points better than anybody else in the league. Jokic is third in the NBA. Giannis is eighth and beat is 24th. ESPN does real plus minus win, similar to the Raptor thing that I gave you earlier. Jokic is first at 22.23. Tatum is second at 21.51. Embiid is fourth. At 17.83, Giannis is fifth at 17.63. Then you look at some of the raw numbers. Tatum, 27, 8.2, 4.3. He's a box score plus 8.1. Now, Embiid and Giannis average more points per game. He averages more than Jokic. Jokic averages more rebounds, of course, and more assists. So I'm not telling you that Jason Tatum should be the MVP. I would give it a Jokic right now. But I would have Tatum number two on the ballot. I would put him ahead of Embiid. I would put him ahead of Giannis right now. All the impact metrics favor Jason Tatum over those guys. And my whole point isn't to get into, like, this big discussion about Tatum. And and I'm not trying to sound like a green teamer. Should it be further up on the hierarchy of MVP candidates? That's not my point. My point is just the fact that if you look at all these on-off metrics, you look at all these all-in-one impact metrics, what they tell you is Tatum is playing at an elite level similar to Jokic, similar to Giannis, and similar to Joel Embiid. And the reason I bring that up is just to say, this is why you feel like this team can make a run. You know the defense is going to play. They have the best defense in the NBA. You know that's the case. But now you know you have a guy that can go toe-to-toe with anybody else in the league. He can go toe-to-toe with Durant. He's proven that. He outplayed John Morant. He outplayed Trey Young. He outplayed Jokic. He outplayed all these guys recently. So that's the biggest development with this team. Yeah, it was great getting rid of Schroeder, bringing in Derek White. It was great that the defense has now been the best defense in the league pretty pretty much since the start of the new year. And even before the new year when the offense wasn't good, the defense was good. But the biggest thing is now you have one of the premier players in the NBA. Right now, and look, maybe you got to establish yourself for a little bit longer, but he's playing like a top five player in the league. He's actually playing significantly better than Embiid right now. He's playing like one of the best five guys in the sport which gives you confidence that entering a postseason series, then go toe-to-toe with anybody. And you start to really add this thing up. The other big development has been Jalen Brown is looking like Jalen Brown again because there was a stretch there where I was worried about Jalen because I felt like, okay, you now have a number one option. You now have a defense, which if you look in recent NBA history, there has only been two teams since the turn of the century that have won an NBA championship without a top 10 defense. And it was the Warriors because they were the ultimate light switch team and the 0-1 Lakers. Again, one of the ultimate light switch teams. Those are reigning defending champs. So you have the number one defense. You have the star. Do you have the secondary guy? And Jalen, first 38 games of the season, he was great. Then the next 16, after he came back from that original injury, not good. 19.2 points a game, 27% on threes. But the road trip, he woke up 27.8 points per game, shot 54.5% from the field, 41.7% on three-pointers. Now, 
Those 16 games I mentioned when he wasn't playing well, just 9.4 points per game in the paint. How about this recent run, these last four games? 14.5 points per game in the paint, which during that stretch was six in the NBA. So that's the big development. Obviously, you have Tatum, who we know is an established number one star in this league right now in terms of a number one option. But if they're going to make a run, you're going to need the version of Jalen Brown we saw during that West Coast road trip or the version of Jalen Brown we saw for the first 38 games. And it feels like now the multiple injuries that he's been dealing with in terms of he had the knee issue, he's had a hamstring issue, and now he had this recent ankle thing. It seems like he's over all that stuff. Which means, okay, now with Jalen playing this way, you got a real chance to make a run in the Eastern Conference. And we'll get into that in greater detail tomorrow night. Thanks to Justin Turpin for producing. I will be back with you tomorrow from 10 to 12. Have a great night, everybody. Be safe and be well. Would you take Jimmy G? What, here in New England? Yeah. No, no. If I'm giving up Mac, I want Deshaun Watson. Ooh, that was a compliment to Mac. That was a very good compliment. I'm not bad. You know, I'm not going to give up a Toyota for a Nissan. Okay. Both sound like great cars. Did you miss something? Listen to the podcast presented by City of Boston Credit Union. Uniquely Boston on the Odyssey app or at WEEI.com. The Greg Hill Show, morning 6 to 10 on New England Sports Original. WEEI. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.